Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. We're going to talk about the OTAs. Tom McLevy is going to stop by to talk about the Bengals offseason. And Sands is going to come by not only to talk about the Bengals, but also about defensive alignments in the NFL. This will be the first installment of a series where Sands is going to break down some of the finer aspects of football and the NFL. Definitely an interesting and an informative segment that you're not going to want to miss. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals Headlines All right, things are starting to get back to normal. OTAs are starting. Joe Burrow's back on the field. Cincinnati Bengal football is here again. I cannot be more thrilled. It's a good time. I'm hoping that 2021 is the best year ever for everybody and everything and the Bengals. Let's go. So let's talk about OTAs a little bit. The biggest takeaway from OTAs, perfect attendance. What a credit to everyone. I know that Jesse Bates had a lot to do with that, being the player rep and you know getting everyone on board, but that's also a credit to the organization and the coaching staff and the players. The players approaching the game with a serious attitude and being mature about it and being focused and saying, hey, you know, we were 4-11-1 last year. That's not good enough. We have a lot of new players here. So that makes me really happy. I'm hoping that the rest of the division has poor attendance at their OTAs. Think about it. Is The more time that you have on the field the better you're going to be. I mean, that that's flat out. You know, you have some of these guys that aren't going to play in May. The first time they're going to step on the field is going to be probably July. You know, our guys are there in May already. So really positive stuff. Very proud of the team, and this can only help. So OTAs consist of 10 practices. Haven't heard any injury reports. Uh, Travion Williams seems to be limited, but I think that was prior to OTAs. So you know what? Everyone just get out of OTAs healthy. Improve your chemistry. The familiarity with Burrow throwing to the receivers, which he didn't have last preseason. I mean, he's already starting to get that now, which is all good stuff. And it was fun, as always, to listen to the Burrow press conference. He said he's ahead of schedule, and obviously he is ahead of schedule if he's on the field in May already throwing passes. On the last press conference, they asked him where he was at, and I think he said like 15%. Now he's saying 85%. So, you know, that's a high number. I'm hoping that it's close to that. But, man, just to see him... Even at 75% at this level is amazing. And then he's already building the chemistry with the receivers. You know that he had his college career with Chase, of course. But they stayed after the first practice to throw extra already. And in Burrow's reference to Chase, he said he's very tough to tackle. That's something that I saw on tape, too. You get him out into open space in the defensive backfield, and he's like a running back out there. Corners are going to have a tough time tackling him. The free safeties might even have a tough time. You know, strong safeties... might have a little bit more luck with him, but he's going to be a hard one-on-one tackle for some of the smaller guys on the edge, and he's going to break a lot of tackles, and you're going to see some big gains out of him. Very excited about what I'm seeing so far, and of course what I've seen on tape. And you know Boyd and Higgins are thrilled to have Burrow back. Really, look, look out for this this year. Boyd is going to have a Pro Bowl year, because him with Burrow last year, as the season went on, the chemistry went on, Burrow was finding him all the time. We know Boyd was on pace for 1,000 yards before he got banged up. But look out for very, very big things from him, especially having Chase and the other guy I haven't mentioned, Higgins, around him. So that trio is going to have a very productive season, and they're going to help each other. You know, there's going to be times where people are are favoring Chase 
opens up the other two. There's going to be times where they're favoring Higgins, opens up the other two. And, of course, Boyd is going to do most of his work out of the slot, so that's going to work out in itself right there. So very, very excited about the receiving core. And, again, Joe Burrow's press conference was really cool. Good to hear him talk. Good to hear him in action. I didn't think he was going to be throwing in OTAs. And the fact that he's out there, and they're being careful with him. I, I think he's he's taking dropbacks, but he's not rolling out or you know facing any kind of pressure or anything. Everyone knows to stay a mile away from him at camp. So, you know, barring some awkward step while he's throwing, which I don't see, he's going to be fine with his knee, and it's it's only going to help him build the chemistry and, as I said, get right back in in the in the thick of things again. And they say Joe came back a little bit bigger than last year, and that makes sense. If you're doing all that rehab and working out, your upper body's fine, so you might as well develop that as much as you can while you rehab your knee. And that's the kind of player that we have here. That's what he does. He doesn't rest on his laurels. He decided, I want to get a little bit bigger, get my arm a little bit stronger. He has very good arm strength, believe me. But he's even got more velocity, they're saying now. And he's not even able to drive fully with, with a you know a compromised knee. So, I mean, look out. He's going to be firing bullets in there this year. I mean, like I said, it's really good to see a guy that was already getting near the top of the game do the things to get even better. And if that's a sign of what he's going to do from year to year, man, we're going places. And the last thing on Burrow, it looks like he is going to be ready for week one. And that's an exciting thing. And here's the thing right away, right? First 19 days of the season, we have four games. Think about that. It's not just a week apart. Because we have that Thursday night game against Jacksonville. So there's a lot of games right up front. You almost wish it was the opposite of that. And it was just like a game and he had a little bit more time to rest up. But he's going to get thrown into the fire right away. And we're going to see how the knee responds. Because again, four games in 19 days to start 2021. Mixon, Uzama, Logan Wilson, full go. Very good to see. The foot injuries for Mixon and Wilson. Of course, the Achilles for Uzama. Good to see those guys back in action. They're all going to be contributing. But the real key there is Mixon. He went out so early last year, we kind of forgot about him and his impact on this team. He's another one, just like Boyd. Boyd and Mixon, two guys, you know, similar age, similar experience, getting ready for career years, I believe. And they want to use Mixon more on third down, too. You know, he's the kind of guy, because he can catch the ball and he's a tough enough blocker, you know, you can see him as a three down back rather than just pull him off after two downs and throw in your third down back. But with that said, you still do need to mix in a third down back, obviously to rest Mixon and to throw the defense off a little bit. And if you get the proper pass-catching speed back, that can make a big difference on third down. So with most of the team being full go, there's a couple guys that were on the rehab field, and it's understandable. DJ Reader, Rennell Wren, Trey Hopkins. Hopkins is going to take a while with the knee. I don't really know where Wren is at with the torn quad, and I don't really know where Reader's at with the torn quad. So whatever it takes to get him ready, you know, don't blow him out in May. Hopefully by July, early August, he's ready to start get getting back into the mix and, you know, getting his legs underneath him again. But he's he's one of the keys to it all. So only three guys on the rehab field that are coming off some pretty serious injuries, and it looks like all of them are going to be projected to play this year. And then one last note, nothing too serious, but they gave Chris Evans number 25. I don't know if it's the coaching staff, he picked the number, or the equipment manager gave it to him, but... Show a little respect to Gio. Don't give his number away right away to a sixth-round pick. And nothing against Chris Evans. I think he's going to make the squad. I think he's going to be very productive. But I don't know. I get sentimental towards our guys, especially guys that have been there for a long time. And then they gave Trent Taylor number 18 to work out. And same thing. That's even worse. Really, literally one of the top 
what three, two or three Bengals of all time, and we give his number away. Whoever's making those decisions, Elizabeth Blackburn, please step in here and tell them not to do that anymore. Just tell them don't give away legends numbers the next year. I think they did that with Chad Johnson as well. I, I forget who it was, but there was a kind of like a training camp wide receiver that they gave number eighty five to the season after. I almost thought they were trying to trying to get him back a little bit. I don't know. But either way, let's think about that. We're doing the right things for the organization and being progressive and joining the new century and the Ring of Honor and the whole deal. Don't do things like that that show that you're a little tone deaf. Come on. You know, those are legends. Don't give their numbers away right away. All right, so let's move on to some transactions. So we signed Kayvon Frazier, who's a safety, a sixth rounder out of Dallas, and he's a six-year safety in the league, so he's got some experience. 59 games played, so that's always good. It's almost like a Ricardo Allen type, another guy that's had a lot of experience in the league. I think he translates more to special teams than actually as a starting safety. But, you know, we'll see. It's going to be tough for him to make the squad with the four safeties that we have. He came out of the combine running a 4.58, Decent speed. You'd like to see him a little faster, but... Here's the reason why I think it was a 4.58. He's six foot, 220. That's good size for a strong safety. You could lay some really big hits on people or even special teams. You want to have fast linebackers and strong safeties and defensive ends on your special teams. Like those are the guys that are the big hitters, you know, guys that are fast enough to play that and can hit really hard, you know, as opposed to having a bunch of wide receivers and DBs. Sometimes if you have that, your coverage teams get eaten up by stronger players. So I like the fact, he, you know, again, going back to Frazier, he might be this 220-pound, fairly quick-moving safety that you throw on special teams, and, you know, that could be a difference maker. And then we signed Joe Bocci, linebacker. He was with the Eagles. He's only had four games played in the league. 6'2", 235 linebacker with not a lot of experience. It almost tells you that he's going to be a special teamer for us. But we're short on linebackers. They obviously liked him because they picked him up immediately after he was being released. So maybe they have a plan for him. And, you know, I'm hoping that he has a good shot at the roster. And if he makes the team, he's a Bengal. Let's go. Let's contribute. Alex Redmond went to the Patriots, and I know that makes a lot of Bengal fans happy. Let's think about two of the least-liked Bengals over the last couple years, right? Bobby Hart, Alex Redmond, both gone. And Redmond, I was you know, I was kind of torn with him. I think when he first came into the league, he was a powerhouse. He had some good moments, and of course, we all know about the penalties and stuff like that. As I, I said about him, I just think that he was one of those players. He's an intelligent guy, but he's one of those players that that cylinder goes off in his head and he loses a little bit of composure. So, you know, you kind of see that where he's a guy who's a mauler, like to fight out there, but with that comes the discipline to, you know, not be in your head and false start a bunch of times. Either way, if he's going to survive in the NFL, and I don't want to make this the Alex Redmond episode, he's with the right guy because Belichick won't put up with that. You know, a penalty or two, even in preseason, and you might see him waived. Another kind of humorous anecdote, I guess, the Texans waived Ryan Finley already. Only two months. I don't. Did they even see him throw before they waived him? And they picked up Jeff Driscoll, so another ex-Bengal. So they're deciding that if Deshaun Watson is not allowed to play this year, they're going to ride the ex-backup Bengal quarterback train. So, you know, whatever makes you happy over there. All right, the last one of the transactions that I wanted to go over was they signed Trent Taylor. And he, he came in for a tryout. He was on the Niners. And I thought an interesting thing to do here would be do kind of a tale of the tape between him and Alex Erickson because they're very similar players. And when they signed him and I saw his specs and, you know, his role on the field, I was like, wow, that sounds a lot like Erickson and he's kind of replacing Erickson. Let's see why. 
So here we go, very quickly. Taylor, 5'8", 178, smaller side. Erickson, 6'195". Erickson looked smaller on the field than he actually was. That's pretty decent size. So size advantage, Erickson, right? Erickson, 28. Taylor, 27. Almost a wash right there. Here's the here's the really crazy one, though. And I, I told you guys I never want to overwhelm you with stats because when you start hearing number after number, you start tuning them out. But anyway, let's do a fun run-through over the receptions that they had over the last four years because it's so close. Erickson had 43 receptions. Taylor had 43. Then Erickson had 20. Taylor had 20. Erickson had 12. Taylor had zero the next year. Then Erickson had six. Taylor had 10. So they're eight receptions apart over a four-year career. Pretty close there. Uncanny almost. Erickson had one TD over that span, and Taylor had three TDs. And then I guess this might be the deciding factor if they're going to bring in Taylor to return punts, he's had 59 attempts in his career, and he's had two fumbles. Erickson's had basically doubled that, 107 attempts, and he's had six fumbles. You know, if you take the numbers out, Taylor would have about four fumbles in the, in the same time that Erickson had six. Maybe that's the difference. Because really, guys, even one fumble can be a game changer, as we've seen. So, you know, if you're just like, well, he only had two more fumbles or whatever, those... Each fumble is like a catastrophe, really, when you think about it. So maybe that's the reason. Maybe they think that Taylor is a little more secure with the ball. But it seemed like the coaching staff didn't really want to use him that much. And then he had the couple fumbles, and everyone was really losing it for him, and maybe the coaching staff as well. Either way, maybe he'll have Driscoll thrown to him out there, and they'll have some kind of combination. I wish him luck. I wish we would have used Erickson better when he was here. Now we have Taylor. And Taylor's not a guarantee to make the squad either, but if he's going to win the punt return job, and it's going to be tough from Darius Phillips. If Darius Phillips can hold on to the ball, we got ourselves a punt returner there. If not, you know, maybe Taylor gets a look and sticks with the roster. So we'll see what happens there. So that's it for OTAs right now. There's still a bunch of practices left, so there's going to be a lot of news coming up. Let's make sure everyone stays healthy. And here we go. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frankie. How you doing, bud? It's excellent to talk to you again, man. I know there's a lot yeah. that we've missed out on. we got to catch up on some stuff. So let's let's get right down to business as always. What do you think about the Bengals draft? Well, you know, I was a, a Sewell guy. Chase is going to be awesome. But if Joe Burrow gets hurt, Duke Tobin better put his house on the market and just get out of Dodge because he will be, they will be chasing him down. Why didn't they take the offensive lineman? I know they took the guy in the second round. I have baked in Frank Pollock, but, uh, you know, I, you know what made me think? They drafted Chase and then they drafted the defensive lineman out of LSU. I said to myself, you know something? This roster might be all set for Joe Brady if Zach Taylor doesn't produce. You got to think that they're going to go after Brady um, with with Chase Burrow combination. Wow, um, Tom, that's a, a a heavy take. I didn't even think about that. I, you know, it just can't, it just dawned on me that after the draft, I said, you know, because if they would have taken Sewell, 
maybe it wouldn't have enticed Brady as much. I, you know, it's something to throw out there, but sticks against the wall so bad. Good news for Joe Burrow. The doctors all said he'll be set for opening day. Hopefully they don't rush him. You know, you just uh, put your faith in the uh, front office. They took a few offensive linemen. Just hopefully Pollock can, uh, you know, polish him up and get him ready for, you know, game action. Because, you know, Frank, somebody's going to get hurt. Tom, it's actually true because Hopkins is coming off an injury. Jonah's coming off an injury. And, yeah, there is going to be someone that gets hurt on that offensive line. You can't just bank on having your five guys that you name at the beginning and those guys are going to play 16 games. It just never will happen that way. I just hope they pan out. Um, and I hope they're not done maybe finding uh, more, you know, after the cuts of preseason or – Maybe there's a guy out there now that they have their eyes on. Got to give him a solid grade for the draft. And um, just hopefully nobody gets hurt. How are you feeling about the schedule for this year for the Bengals? It is what it is. I think it's a brutal ending. Hopefully they can start out 2-0. I mean, Minnesota, Chicago. Um, Then it starts, I mean, and Jacksonville after... Pittsburgh, maybe three wins, and they got Green Bay, Detroit. So it's seeming like they have a hard game, soft game, soft per se. This is the NFL. The ending's tough. Um, just hopefully uh, Burrow can make it through the end of the year, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, 100%. You can never know what happens with the schedule when it comes out. You know, it, you, you can think it's going to go a certain way, and it can go any way based on injuries and rookies and overperformers and whatnot. But, you know, when they announced the opponents for this year, I was like, we got a pretty easy schedule. And then when I saw the schedule on paper and you separate, in, separate it into four sections, I'm like, aside from the first section, maybe there's not really an easy section in the bunch, especially the, the last five. I agree, Frank. They, uh, like you say, they, there's three wins in the beginning. Minnesota, Chicago, Jacksonville. And then Detroit a couple weeks after that. Like you say, you can't, you know, people go on and give up win-loss. You can't do that. But, um, yeah, hopefully, and they stay competitive with Joe Burrow. Like he was doing before he got hurt. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But the ending's lost. How you feeling about OTA starting up? And you know, hey, it's great, great. Uh, Joe Burrow got a new set of teeth, so I guess he feels that if he's the uh, uh, franchise, and might able to start looking like it. But um, yeah, it just tells you that you know warmer weather's coming, or you know it. Um, you know the the real training camp will be here, and then games. So, yeah, it's, it feels great. Yeah, 100%. It just makes it feel like it's all beginning. And it is nice to see Burrow in there throwing. I'm glad they're not giving him too much to do. I, I heard that he's just doing dropbacks and he's not rolling out and doing any, anything crazy. But still nice yeah. that he's out there. And, you know, I mentioned this to Sands. Perfect attendance for OTAs. Think about yeah. that. Yes. Um, that's key. I mean, this team is uh, still young. But... Um, yeah, that's a good, good sign. 
that uh, this team is together and there's no prima donnas um, and they just want to win. And hopefully that's what it brings us. Tom, I heard you have some exciting news. You're actually leaving our home state of New Jersey where we've yeah. been friends forever and hung out a bunch of times. Um, I'm not going cross country, but I am going into Ravens country. I'm going to move into Ocean City, Maryland. I got a condo down there, so I'm going to be a beach bum and uh, take the Ravens smack until uh, Burrow can, uh, can deliver wins against them. But uh, I think everybody around Fans of the NFL realize Burrow's a real deal. If we can just keep him protected and, um, and you know, Joe Mixon, too. I mean, we got a top running back. Everybody forgets that. I think we'll have, we'll have good things. So, yeah, been in New Jersey in all my life, but uh, I'm looking forward to get out of here. Yeah, man, you're going to be living the life, and hopefully we're all living the life with Burrow and Mixon and, and the whole bunch. So, um, Tom, great having you on, my friend. Thanks, Frankie. I'll talk to you again. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? All right, my friend. Good to talk to you again. I know it's kind of a dead time for the Bengals, but, you know, we always get down to business here. What are you thinking about the schedule? Oh, with the schedule? I think it lines up pretty well for the Bengals, despite being a tough schedule. I've seen some of the... I don't know, like uh, analysis type people. I don't know, they run the computer simulations on travel time and all that type of stuff. I said the Bengals were favorable in that. And then also, it seems like all our easier games are up front, depending on if Rodgers is going to play this year for the Packers. And then our tougher games are on the back half. I prefer that because when you face the Chiefs like week one or two, you know that's going to be probably a loss. But if you face them like week 16, there's possibility of injuries. There's possibilities of a whole lot of different things that could end up end up being a win for us. Yeah, the, the back half looks tough. I mean, the run from if Rodgers does get traded to the Broncos, that could be the 49ers, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and Browns. Probably all playoff teams if Rodgers is a Bronco, which I have no idea. I think it's like 50-50 between him, the Packers, and the Broncos. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the front half of the schedule. We could be four and one, five and one, and then by the back half, tough games. But it's a possibility that they're not as tough as we think they are right now. Sans, I love your analysis on that. You're taking some angles that I didn't think of before, and you're right. Facing the Chiefs early in the season is going to be a tough climb. I mean, facing them late is going to be a tough climb too. But like you said, you never know if there's going to be an injury in there. I mean, they could be at a point with the resting players. I don't want to rely on that for a win. I, I also like what you said about how the front half of the schedule is fairly easy in comparison to the back half. And for a young team and a healing quarterback, you know, that's also a positive thing. And, you know, look at you bringing in the knowledge about analyzing if they favor well on travel or not. So excellent stuff there. Let's move on to OTAs. What are your thoughts on what's going on with that? You know, it's an exciting time. We're, we're football starved. Here we have a little bit of Bengal action. You know, just some general thoughts. Uh, yeah, OTAs, I mean, I don't really have much of an opinion on them. They're probably, I, they're important to a team, but for me as a fan or an analyst or anything, 
not really much I'm getting out of it. It's cool to see Burrow walk around and throw. That's probably the best part. And other than that, just seeing the guys in the jerseys. I mean, I'm not going to make any analysis based off of a practice. No, I hear you. You're right. You just you can't tell anything with OTAs, but it's nice to see. I guess really the biggest positive from OTAs is we had like 100% attendance. Yeah, that's huge, especially with Bates, uh, Hubbard. Those guys are getting contracts, and they're still coming to OTAs. Injury guys are coming to OTAs to do rehab. So that's actually a good point. Yeah, that's a really good sign for the team, the locker room and everything, that everybody wants to be there. 100%. I think that's going to bode well. You know, we're a young team that needs the work, and it seems like everybody wants to put in the work. So, Sans, let's take a right turn here. Obviously, I go. you're my go-to guy for football strategy and, you know, deeper analysis of football. And I thought it might be interesting for you to share with the audience, you know, some, some of your knowledge, and maybe we can start up with some defensive concepts. You know, I know a lot of people hear the term cover one, cover two, cover three, etc. And I was wondering if you could explain that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we'll start with cover zero. It's the easiest one to figure out. But cover zero, for the general idea, is that it's a man blitz. There's nobody deep. That's zero, nobody deep. And uh, they're bringing six people, most likely, to the quarterback, which is good. They're, they're basically bringing one more than you have, at least. And they're going to try to get to you before you can find out who's open or your guy can get open. Simple, easy to understand. Uh, cover one, if you know cover zero is zero people deep, then cover one is one person deep. Usually your free safety. We play this a lot with Jesse Bates, single high in the middle of the field. And then different variations, but for the most part, the general cover one's going to have a linebacker uh, underneath as well in zone coverage. Usually as a rat, hook, whatever you want to call it. And he's looking to give help to somebody. Everybody else is in man coverage. Uh, cover two is... Another one, sounds like it, two guys deep, cover two. Uh, so your corners are playing up, they're pressing up usually, and they're going to give a good chuck to the wide receivers, and they're also going to be part of your run support. That's one of the major things of cover two, is that your corners end up being shallow cover guys, but they end up being important to run support. Rondé Barber was probably the most famous Tampa 2 cover two cornerback. If you play Tampa 2, you need a really fast and instinctive Mike linebacker, like a Derek Brooks in Tampa, uh, because they're going to be covering pretty deep. They're going to be having to take things down the field, which a lot of linebackers can't do. That's tough. Cover three. Cover three is really similar to cover one. It's the way it plays out a lot of the times. They look really similar when you watch them. Uh, it's basically just man versus zone. Cover three is a zone coverage, or cover one is a man coverage. Three deep defenders, your two cornerbacks typically, and your, safe, and your free safety and then you have your four underneath defenders. And Seattle made the super popular. Everybody's running cover three a ton right now, including the Bengals. That's their second most called coverage after cover one. Cover four, I'll just call it quarters, uh, four deep defenders. We ran this a bit. The main time we ran this was against Baltimore. We gave up 400 rushing yards. And really the reason for that to me is that you have three underneath defenders and four guys deep. When you think about playing Baltimore, you don't need four guys deep against them. They don't throw the ball that often. But it's easier on your cornerbacks. Honestly, a little bit easier on your safeties, too, being able to split the field. Tough on linebackers because they're the only underneath guys. 
Yeah, and it's tough against. It's tough to do that against a team that runs a lot because you have to be really good. You have to your front four, front five, whatever you're using has to be really good to play cover four quarters. Amazing insight. I mean, that's going to help a lot of people out there when they're analyzing games, and I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people that play Madden actually, because now they're going to be like, "Oh, okay, yeah. cover three. I got it now." <laughs> yeah, Madden actually does a an okay job. I don't know. They don't always play the rules right, which is fine. It doesn't need to be perfect, but it actually does a pretty good job of. It's like cover one. It looks like cover one on the play sheet. Cover two, same. Everything like that. So yeah, it's a really quick breakdown. There's a lot more you can get in depth on it. Read about the leverage that people are going to play. Who's the force defender? Yada yada. All this football stuff. But essentially, in the most basic sense, you can figure out cover zero through cover four by how many defenders are deep and those are the main ones you need to know as coverage shells that's perfect um sans now as when a quarterback comes to the line you're looking at the safeties right you're looking you're identifying cover one cover two etc and you're also looking at the pass rush just seeing you know where potential blitzers are would you agree with that statement or do you think that it obviously it goes a little deeper but you want to delve into that a little bit yeah those are the real basic things you want to do as a quarterback is you want to know the safeties because eventually your safeties are going to have to show the coverage. They can fake the, with one down, one back, or they can fake with both back, but eventually they have to move. So you take a look at them pre-snap. A lot of times you're going to read the leverage of the cornerbacks and other defenders and see what they're doing. I've mentioned it before, an easy tell on man versus zone is when you have a running back split out wide who's over him because most teams are in man coverage. They're not going to disguise so hard that they place their best cornerback over top of your running back. They're going to put a linebacker or somebody over him so that your, their cornerback can cover a wide receiver. And that's one of the reasons you go empty so often. You don't do it out of zero personnel. You do it out of 11 or something like that because you see who's placed over who. It's just a really easy tell. You put a cornerback over the running back, this is zone coverage. You put a linebacker with the running back is probably man and then you could do the old brady if you remember those patriots teams and he does it a little bit now but i remember more back when he played with josh McDaniels and the patriots running back out wide motion him in see what happens <laughs> because you can't even fake it anymore it's like now the the linebackers the corner has to show like are you in man coverage or not it just adds more communication layers to it so yeah you look at the safeties you look at who could be blitzing and a lot of times you have a key defender maybe from tape or something like every time he's in man coverage he's staring at the receiver pre-snap and every time he's in zone he's staring at the ball that type of thing how do people find you on social media well if you want more of this uh find me at bangles underscore sands on twitter excellent work man i'll talk to you next episode yeah talk to you then that'll do it for this episode Next episode, we're going to continue to review the Bengals' offseason, OTAs, and some of the transactions that are probably going to happen after June 1st. We might even do some Bengals trivia, and I'm going to have a few special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. Unofficial Bengals Podcast.